0: marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com
1: you're listening to that chelsea podcast episode 86 wembley woes continue Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, the podcast that is sick of losing finals at Wembley. I'm joined by Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir?
0: Yeah, fe- feeling a bit sick mentally and, and physically, to be honest, after yesterday. But um, yeah, I'm OK. I'm OK, mate. How are you?
1: Yeah, not bad. As I said, aside from the footy, we had a good day out, didn't we? So that's that's the main thing. And um, returning to the podcast for the first time in a little while is the podfather himself. It is Stanford Chidge, Dave Chidgey. How are we doing, sir?
2: um yeah i'm feeling a bit tired and emotional really nick i think that's or, or if you prefer the trans that is the translation for hungover <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no. i think there's a a few sore heads and uh sore minds after after yesterday and, and all the activities uh that we partaken um but as i do with guests i get them to give themselves a plug and obviously you know if you've been living under a rock um you know then you shouldn't know that if you haven't been living under rock then you should know that the Chelsea Fancast is what Dave Chidgy hosts, so Chid, why don't you tell people where they can find the Chelsea Fancast and follow you on Twitter, et cetera, so they can listen to some top Chelsea content
2: actually Nick it's a really isn't it because normally, yeah you know there are people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who kind of know who we are and what we're about, but yeah there's been a development actually because I mean primarily we we put the uh the Chelsea fancast out on a on a platform called Acast. And they have a little player. So you can like, you know, listen to it through Acast. although it has a an RSS feed that basically punts it out to pretty much every recognizable podcast platform. So iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. But actually, I think I think a is going to stop doing the uh, the player. So it will only be on the other platforms like iTunes, Spotify and all of that. So there you go. That's an exclusive for you, Nick. What more can I say? Yeah. Okay, so everything else, Chelsea F- uh, ChelseaFanCast.com, dot We're on Twitter, all the socials are at Chelsea Fancast, and I'm at Stanford Chidge, of course.
1: Yeah, make sure you check Chidge Make sure you check out the Chelsea Fancast, a top quality podcast. And as I said, our podcast is normally about an hour long. The fancast is maybe twice as long. So think of us as almost the warm-up show for the Chelsea Fancast on Monday <laughs> nights, um, especially this week since we have Chidge on. Um, before we get into the games, we've got a Leeds game to discuss, which I guess will bring us some joy. I've got to take care of some admins. So that is to remind you that support for that Chelsea podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men. and If my math is correct, that's 8 million bulls worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer that we have for you. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code thatchelseapod at manscaped.com. Now, Jack and I were kindly sent the Performance Package 4.0, and like Solomon off the Bench, this package is a game-changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and nose head Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off is the Lawmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and it will help clean up that mess down there better than Gus had cleaned up that Chelsea mess when he took over in the 15-16 season. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400k LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave. Some might call it the Cess Fabregas of shavers. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the, bef- on the bathroom floor and everyone's a winner there. Now like Hacken goal golfy spurs in January you no doubt thought that was good but do you want to take your grooming game even further to the next level the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer the weed Whacker is a- also waterproof and provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks snags and tugs in those delicate nose holes it'll get all up in your business look- look- yeah it'll get all up in your business like Diego Costa looking for a scrap Next up, we have their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts for it, he threw two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, over Manscaped boxes and the Shed travel bag. I mean, the travel bag is called the Shed. You know you want this. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code Chelsea pod. And just some, some fun facts and uh, stats for you listeners. Manscaped Carried out a research study, and that study did find that 96% of partners think that bad grooming is a major turnoff, and that 85% of partners prefer a man who is groomed below the waist. While 91% of men think grooming is essential to their professional success. So, one last time, get 20% off and free shipping with the code VatChelseaPod at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com, and use code VatChelseaPod. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Right. Before we delve into the heartbreak that was Liverpool in the FA Cup final, there was actually another game this week and a game that gave a lot of Chelsea fans a lot of joy. And I'm sure particularly someone like Chidge, who grew up with the chelsea Leeds rivalry, a lot of joy. Chidge, we went to Leeds, we batted them 3-0 and we're potentially sending them down with that result. It was actually very nice to see Chelsea get a result against one of the teams fighting relegation and not sort of kickstart and revive their season. It was nice to you know, put a comfortable 3-0 win.
2: Yeah, I mean, it says a lot, doesn't it, Nick? That, I mean, I don't know about you boys, but we were all quite worried uh, when we previewed it uh, last Monday, and it just tells you an awful lot about where Chelsea are at the moment, certainly in the league. That we were worried about going away to a team that are doing the best that they can to get themselves relegated, uh, but we were worried, and it was really pleasing, I think, to see to see Chelsea absolutely batter them. And I think the other thing that was pleasing wasn't wasn't just the performance was excellent, but we scored decent goals and we looked like we were going to score decent goals. And I just think, I think in short, it just, I mean, we've been saying this for weeks on the fan cast and actually cool has been saying it in his presses. If we score first and score early against some of these teams that are, you know, going to basically try and just keep you out, then it makes the game entirely different. And suddenly we look like a, a, like a like the side that we really are if we don't score early uh, against teams that are going to put 10 men behind the ball, it just gets more and more frustrating. We get higher and higher up the pitch and they catch us on the break where we we know we're vulnerable in the transition. And, you know, and that's what we've seen recently. So for for many reasons, it was very pleasing. I have to say, I'm not, I mean, much as I hate leads, I I kind of, I'm not, I'm unusual in this. Jonathan, absolutely. He wants to see them go out of business, never to be seen again, (laughs) let alone relegated. But, I, I, like, I like having them in the Premier League just so we get the opportunity to beat them twice a year. So I'm a bit different. I'd, I'd, I'd rather they stayed up so we get the chance to beat them every year. But I can understand why people would want them relegated, you know, but uh, yeah.
1: Obviously, Chelsea's first goal scorer and that goal inside so for a like she said, was Mesa Mount. And no English player has been involved in more Premier League goals this season than Mesa Mount. 11 goals, 10 assists. With that, Mason became the fifth Chelsea player to reach 10-plus goals and assists in a Premier League season after Lampard, who did it four times, Strogba, who did it three times, Juan Mata and Eden Hazard. And that meant that aged 23 years and 121 days, he became the youngest player to hit 10 goals and 10 assists in a Premier League season for Chelsea. Um, yeah, so that was Mason who fired us 1-0 up. And obviously, you know, unfortunately, uh, Mateo Kovacic did get off injured. Uh, Daniel James with an absolute horrific tackle. But uh, Anthony Taylor correctly gave a red card for. I mean, we, again, we're talking about it. Anthony Taylor had a the game. A, a fun fact, Chelsea haven't lost a game that Anthony Taylor is ref in Premier League this season. I saw that stat the other day and I was like, wow, maybe, maybe we were too harsh on you, Taylor. I don't know, maybe we weren't. But anyway, yeah, that was, that was uh, Chelsea in control. And then that game got killed off with Christian Pulisic scoring and then Romelu Lukaku wrapping up a third. Jack, obviously, at the time, obviously, we needed that because I think there was a lot of... Yep. Frustration, anger at the way we capitulated against Wolves throwing away a 2-0 lead. And given the way the top four race was shaping up, that felt that leads win felt that basically took us not there yeah. yet, because we're obviously not mathematically there yet. Although again, it could be sealed before we play Leicester and we do have another game after Leicester, should it need to go there. But that felt like the big step that we need to get over, get over the line, get into the Champions League. It almost felt like that step would you go right. We're so close. We're so nearly at the end of this season. We're so nearly, you know, achieved that the minimum expectation of top four. We're so nearly there, just almost like relief in a way, as well as actually enjoyment at what was a good performance to watch.
0: Yeah, definitely relief because <laughs> not long ago we were miles in front of Tottenham and Arsenal. And now it's like a matter of points. And you just think, yeah, we just don't help ourselves like that Wolves game. We could have pretty much had it wrapped up then and then you we've got a corner down or throwing down, down in the, in the opposition corner in the 96th minute and we somehow still go and concede a goal. Um, So, yeah, we just, it's one of those, isn't it? I think we're all sick of the season, but we're, we're almost there. Um, And Champions League football is what you want to be playing in. It's the best competition in the world. Um, And yeah, we, we should be there next season. So, yeah, it'll be a good pull, pull power as well for any potential players that we want to bring in when you're playing Champions League football. So,
1: yeah. No, nah, exactly. It was nice. It was nice. Obviously, to I said, Christian Piusic got a well take goal. It was nice to see Romelu Lukaku sort of follow up his good start against you know Wolves with, with a goal. But his performance did deserve against Leeds. He was good and obviously had a goal ruled out for offside early in the first half. And it was just, Chid, I guess, going into that cup final... That was the performance Chelsea needed. Obviously, you know, this context, it's Leeds, they basic relegation. They played a lot of that game with 10 men. But given how Chelsea have sort been playing, you know, prior to that, basically ever since Madrid, there basically just feels like there's been this big hangover, this just emotional hangover. It almost feels like a lot of players had just mentally checked out for the season. So, you know, it was nice to sort of get that big performance. Again, in, in a game that also means a lot to to fans as well. Just before a cup final, obviously, you know, we're going to cup final, it didn't go away. But that was the performance we kind of needed to see at this stage yeah. of the season, wasn't it?
2: No, definitely, because we'd been, you know, stinking the place out for the last few weeks. And I absolutely agree with you, Nick. I think that I think the Real Madrid, I mean, we obviously we didn't lose in, in the Bernabeu, but we got knocked out and you could just see how how I mean, you know, it it had taken the players through the emotional roller coaster those two ties, and to to be edged out like they were. I think it took quite took quite a toll on them, to be fair but you know you don't want to be going into a cup final against apparently so i'm 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 told the greatest team ever uh, to play football you don't want to go into that uh, on a really bad run of form because you need you need to feel good you need to have a bit of confidence so i think i think the fact that they beat anybody 3-0 away from home and played well i thought their performance was really really some of the football they played was superb you know so to go in with with a bit of confidence was really really important so yeah definitely
1: no, exactly. And it was a nice way to end, you know, the away season for Chelsea fans. It was again, an away season has actually been very enjoyable to watch. Chelsea obviously are a lot better away from home than at home. And the stats do back that up. As I say, Chelsea, 19 games away from home, 12 wins, four draws, three losses, 40 points away from home this season, which tells you the story. And I guess is a big reason of why, I say, Chelsea haven't been dragged further into a top four scrap. It was a nice way to end. It was a, just a nice way, yeah, it was a nice Wednesday evening spend. also meant we could actually go into that, watching the North London derby to place the nice the next day, pretty pretty relaxed of whatever the outcome would be in that, knowing obviously, you know, that if Spurs didn't win, then top four would be automatically secured. But the fact that Arsenal lost also mean, means now that third place, you know, is, is definitely there for taking, which is a, a position that, you know, I think would reflect fairly the position we were in. But yeah, it was a nice night. It was fun beating Leeds, obviously, you know, two wins against them this year and they said it was just nice after seeing you know the joke around Chelsea essentially being charity FC obviously losing at Everton I mean it's Everton we always do badly there but then throwing away a 2-0 lead against Wolves, the Wolves side that had lost their previous three games and had hadn't scored in either of them and then as we saw Wolves then in their next game I got absolutely hammered by Manchester City 5-1 at home so it was nice to see Chelsea actually put in a performance and put a team to a sword and it did give us confidence going into that FA Cup final. And Jack, I guess the big news going into that FA Cup final was that Romelu Lukaku was trusted with a start. Now, obviously Kai Havertz was ruled out. He wasn't even scored. He he had a hamstring injury, who said. So that ruled him out. And it meant Romelu Lukaku led the line. And in general, I think most of us were probably fairly happy with that Chelsea side. I think, you know, the back three was, you know, pretty understandable and predictable. Uh, the wing-backs the same. Obviously, Kovacic thankfully made a pretty miraculous recovery from that, that horror tackle. And he kind of lasted the 60 minutes before Kante replaced him. And then I guess that front three, I guess, was also probably fairly predictable given, you know, Pulisic and Mount had had fired uh, midweek at Leeds and so had Rom. So I guess going into that, we were pretty happy with that lineup, weren't we? Yeah, I think you summed up perfectly there, to be honest. I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, fair enough. So obviously the game starts. And Jack, I'll be honest, I do not think we could have started that game much worse. That first 10 minutes, we looked pretty awful. And again, I Mm. thought... About, I think it was about eight minutes In Thiago Silva goes down. And I was thinking, oh, yeah. no, is it going not to be one again. of those days? And it was, it was like the League Cup final. He went down fairly early in that, but then he, he soldiered through and played the rest. But, Jack, after those first ten minutes, we grew into that game and we played fairly well. We didn't probably create the equality of chances that we did in that Carabao Cup final. But in general, after those first ten minutes, I never really felt Chelsea didn't have any sort of – were out of control in that game. They were not necessarily always in control because when you play a side like mm. Liverpool – you are going to have to weather storm. But it never felt... We didn't feel anywhere maybe near as open as we did in that Carabao Cup final, but where Liverpool said in. It just felt, in general, a lot more a cagey affair than the previous yeah. meeting with them in February. Yeah, I think
0: K G is the perfect way to sum it up, to be honest. Um, you've got to give our our defence massive credit because when you're coming up... I know Salah went off injured early on, but when you're playing the likes of Salah Mane, that Diaz is an absolute player. Um and like Jota bring on Firmino there's some top top quality players there and we for the most part nullified them really well um and then yeah going forward for us I think it's just it's the same old story isn't it we don't yeah don't create enough clear-cut chances and don't stick them away um so yeah just a disappointing one one all-round um and, yeah, to lose it, lose it on pens like that is it's, it's never an easy one to take.
1: Yeah. Chidge, I kind of want to, you know, focus on on some positives because there were, I think, positives from that performance yesterday. And I want to give a word of praise to Mark Solonzo.
2: <laughs> yes. Mark
1: Salonzo is a player who divides opinion a lot. He is often, and I think that's understandable at points because we know he he can have a shocker in him. He can <laughs> sometimes be lazy and you kind of think track back, track back. But what I will say, and I noticed this, his energy levels from minute one to minute 120, he did not drop. He was on it. He was running. He was chasing back. There was a moment, I think, Z he actually had been on the pitch two minutes and he was already walking and jogging. And I'm thinking, I'll make Mor- Morgan, who's next to us, was fuming because he, Marcus Alonso, had been running up and down that pitch all game. And he was still giving it all, giving his all. Obviously, Marcus missed, you know, missed a chance, missed a couple of chances. Allison with good saving that free kick, that hit the bar at the beginning of the second half. But just a word on Marcus Sonza, because I think as much of a device player as he is, as much as it may be time, if possible, to move on from him in the summer, depending on if we, you know, the recruitment, etc., how we can go. But he played a blinder in the Carabao Cup final as well against Liverpool, where he pocketed Salah. He had a blinding, you know, game away at Real Madrid as well. And he had a pretty blinding game in the FA Cup final. For a player with, I guess, the limitations he has, he put in a damn good showing yesterday, didn't he?
2: Um, you know, Nick, he did. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Alonso's, and I always have been, actually, uh, not least because he quite often scores against Spurs. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, look, what he does well, he does very, very well, and what he doesn't do well, he's pretty horrible at. But we kind of know that. But the thing about Marcus Alonso, for me, you know, this is what you get with a senior and experienced pro. You know, and he's a big game player. You, you just named a few matches there—all big games. He turns up and he delivers, and that's what you need. I mean, that's you know, that's what you want from experienced players, and it's what you seldom get from inexperienced players. So you, you you've got to love him for that. And I mean, he—he, he, I mean, look, look, I, I I don't think we were rubbish yesterday at all. I really don't. I think we put in a, a pretty good performance, man. You know, man, man to man, I thought they put in a good performance. But yeah, I think he was definitely a standout. Um, But as I said, I think that's what you get. That's what you get from an experienced senior pro. And that's exactly what you want from an experienced senior pro. And, you know, fair play to him. And I mean, you know what? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ben Chilwell is a better player up and down the pitch. No doubt about that. What worries me is what Ben Chilwell will we be getting back, uh, you know, next season? I mean, if you think about, the two biggest injuries that we've had at the club recently, they've been Ruben Loftus-Cheek and uh, and hudson Adoy. Obviously both had Achilles tendon injuries, you know, similar to Ben Chilwell. So we don't quite know what player we're going to get back. And it might take him a while to get up to the kind of quali- uh, you know, quality levels that he was showing, performance levels he was showing before he got injured. And I mean, you know, we all know that losing Chilwell in November, I think fundamentally changed the season for so many different reasons. So, if Alonso does go, you know he's going to be a miss. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, uh, but you know, if he does go, you know he's. It'll be really interesting, won't it? In 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 a few years' time, five, ten years' time, when we look back on some of these players like Alonso, when we we can perhaps be a little bit more objective about their about what their contribution has been to Chelsea. But right now. I'm saying he's done all right. He's been a decent player for us. And I I will I will miss him if he goes, but I, he will go with my blessing, as it were. Yeah, no,
1: exactly, exactly. And when you think he's basically played an awful lot of football, probably more than he expected to this season with Ben Shirwal's injury, you know, I think a lot of credit should go to him. As I said, his energy levels for a player who is, you know, you know, quite slow, put labeled slow, lazy, etc., his energy levels didn't really drop from minute one to 120 yesterday, and then obviously he calmly slid his penalty away in the shooter. He did his job enough where he was he was Brilliant. pretty final magnificent. Um, Jack, kind of another player I want to give credit for. I mean, we'll get into it. There's quite a few points I do want to praise. Trevor Chalobah. That's the sec- second final he's played for us. This is obviously, well, he played for two guys as well, but Carabao Cup final. He stepped in. Obviously, he came in midweek at right centre-back for Leeds. I've been calling for it. Not, nothing against those i but I think his performance levels have dropped in recent weeks. He's been making some errors. And I've been calling for Trev to come in. Obviously, he yeah. had a calm showing against Leeds. And against Liverpool yesterday, against the threat of Luis Diaz, That's twice he's played against Liverpool and Bacarabao in finals this year. 240 minutes. He's been part of the defence, but hasn't conceded a goal. For a player in his first season playing regularly for us, yes, there's been some some mistakes. He did have that sort of rough patch in March where he gave away a penalty against Norwich, could have given away a penalty against Newcastle, etc. But for a player in his first season, he has been pretty outstanding, hasn't
0: he? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, massive credit to the academy for these players they're bringing through because... Yeah, they're all just different in class, aren't they? So and it's great for the younger boys that are down there at the academy at the moment to look up to people like Trevor, who is probably the only like really big academy breakthrough this season. Obviously, we've had Mason and Reese previous previous seasons before that. Um, so it's a great like role model for them to have, uh, looking up to that first team and seeing how they can make it. But yeah, like you said you're playing two, 240 minutes against Salah, Diaz, Mane. These these players are ruthless. They're world-class. They score, I think, Jota, Salah and Mane in the Premier League have all scored more than 15 goals. It's, yeah, just different levels to, to some of the players in our attack. So, for him to come into those big games, I know you said, like, yeah, he played against Leeds midweek, but before that he hadn't been playing for a, quite a long time, so... I mean, he'd They'd
1: come he'd, into yeah. yeah. There's quite a funny stat that kind of Nizar can say about right? Trevor Chalabar, fresh from relegating Leeds under 23s, came back in and might have played a part in <laughs> relegating Leeds's first team because obviously, yeah, Trev played a development game, so it's, it just shows like quite a week for Trev because quite a few people yeah. were kind of stunned in a way that he was playing a development game. And then, basically, a week later, he's starting a Carabao True. Cup final. But no, huge credit to Trev. Um, Chidge, you know, in general, I I can't really be too positive about the attack yesterday because in general, I don't, you know. That's another game we've not scored goals in. Romelu Lukaku, I think, essentially was knackered off about 60, 70 minutes yesterday and then was rightly subbed off. Um, so I won't really focus on the attack too much. But play, I do want to kind of focus on Jorginho in the middle of the pitch yesterday. I thought he was pretty damn good as well. Obviously, Kovacic went off 60 minutes and Kovacic was decent yesterday, but obviously, you know, coming back from injury, probably not quite the same. And Kante was decent in those 60 minutes, you know, buzzing around. But I thought Jorginho, credit to him, he got stuck in winning tackles, playing the balls, you know, played the whole 120 minutes, stuck his penalty away. Again, that was kind of a, you know, against that Liverpool side, being under, you know, pressure, he was under being dealing with that press. I thought he also played pretty well yesterday.
2: As I said, I mean, I've got, you know, I've got no no, uh, issue with the performances at all. I mean, I think what I would say about the whole match overall, you know, the only thing shit about Chelsea's performance was the result. But sadly, you know, in a final, the result's the only thing that matters. But I thought they were, they, they, you know, they I mean, and, and I don't want to, I mean, I've seen a lot of this on Twitter saying, oh, don't tell me about, you know, we matched toe." T- blah, blah, blah. In a sense, that underlines what I'm saying. The only thing that matters yeah. in a cup final is the result. But I thought the performance was superb. I mean, it was very even. Clearly, it would be in a nil-nil. They had as many chances as we did. It wasn't as if we didn't have any chances Totally get your point about the first 15 minutes, which was utterly shambolic. But I I I think that is to do with the midfield. Um, you know, Liverpool play with three in midfield. We effectively play with two. So, you know, they've all and they and they they really went at us. I think that was no coincidence that Klopp had set them up to do exactly that. Get at them. Get at them. Kovacic, uh, or Kante are kind of not fully fit. Jorginho susceptible to you know, to to aggressive pressing. So get at them. And that's why we're all over the place. But actually, again, the corollary of that is that in Kovacic and uh, Jorginho in particular, you've got two very experienced, very senior players and they figured it out. And actually, I don't think Liverpool dominated the midfield after that opening 15-minute period. And, uh, and I mean, that's all credit to both of them. I mean, Jorginho is a funny old stick, isn't he? I mean... I mean, even I'm quite marmite about him. And I mean, I, 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 was, I was bemoaning his, his lack of pace, his lack of forward passing and all of this the other week. And then our midfield looked like absolute shit the other week when he wasn't playing. And I said, we need him back because we need some control in midfield. <laughs> but that's, that's Jorginho. And I think the, the trouble with him is, is it's, it, it, he's not actually, in a sense and I think this goes for a lot of the team, really, he's not exactly the kind of player that we need. And I and I absolutely think that what we need is a proper, proper, proper defensive midfielder, you know, in in the kind of, uh, a bit like Mikel was, or even Matic when Matic was decent. You know, either, you know, one or two of them. I am convinced that Tuchel would much rather play uh, a 4-3-3 or a variant on that like a 4-3-2-1 or a 4-2-3-1. I'm convinced he'd much rather play that than the 4 th- uh, the 3-4-3 which we all know he plays to cover up the weaknesses of Jorginho and of Silva which is basically lack of pace. Um now I'm not having a dig at Jorginho because I think I think a lot of what he does is absolutely superb and we've been you know privileged to have a player like that playing for us but I just think you know, he's another one who's who's basically a system player and a, and a square peg in a round hole, like so many of Chelsea's players are. And I think this is what, you know, Tuchel's had to deal with that this year. We didn't, you know, the only addition to the squad was uh, Saul and, of course, Lukaku. Um, and he's really inherited a squad that has got, you know, the imprint of uh, three different managers on there. It's all different players for different systems under different managers. And so to to achieve what he has done in that short space of time, trying to figure that one out is is nothing short of remarkable in my book. Um, But, you know, again, if Jorginho goes a bit like Alonso, if Alonso goes, you're losing a wing back. So that would make you question, do you really want to be playing with wing backs possibly? And I know we've got Ben Chilwell, but he can play left back, whereas Alonso can't, of course. Uh, If Jorginho goes then obviously you need a replacement. It'd be interesting to see what kind of a player they get. I mean, we, we all talk about Declan Rice. Obviously, who can play a, a central defensive midfield role, but, you know, there are others available too. It'd be interesting to see which way he goes because I think that'll tell us how, what he wants to play system-wise. But it's something that certainly needs to be addressed this summer because we've got a real, you know, a real hodgepodge of systems and players who are good at those systems, but not, a, not at others. And I think Jorginho is a good example of that.
1: Yeah, and we'll, I think we'll kind of get on to... Too cool a bit in listener questions. I think it was a good chance to have a kind of a good discussion because, again, we got, did get a mixture of questions. I think a lot of different reactions after, after that defeat. But yeah, it was in general said it was a chess performance. I didn't think we were as good as we were in the Carabao Cup final. I thought by Carabao Cup final, we were, we were excellent and we really should have won. Whereas yesterday, I thought it was just solid. It was good. It was a good team performance. But unlike the Carabao Cup final, I didn't leave that ground thinking we, we definitely deserved to win or we should have won. I didn't feel that same sense. But it was still, it did still, it stung a lot. Yeah, I know. But Cup here's final.
2: the thing here's the here's the thing, Nick. Do you think that Liverpool were better than us yesterday? I think marginally, yeah. I
1: do honestly yeah. think marginally better. I think I think generally Liverpool I do think Liverpool did have more chances. I say I don't think either keeper was tested as much as they should have been. I think that's fair enough. I think I'll say this now. Trent Alex uh, they Emirates gave man of the match, they gave Luis Diaz yesterday. He was brilliant. My man he of was. match my man of match had been Trent Alexander Arnold, but he was superb yesterday for Liverpool, I thought. Yeah, I that mean, tackle I- on Pulisic when Pulisic is in the box about to get a shot away. Honestly, yeah. I don't I don't like. I'm picking up Liverpool and praising him, but Trent on as a player. And generally, I thought unlike that Carabao Cup final where I thought we probably have a better chances. I thought Liverpool were may were marginally maybe slightly better, even if I didn't necessarily feel you know that threatened. I did think they were maybe slightly better than us yesterday.
2: Yeah. But I, I you know, I, I'm I'm not gonna disagree with you, but I really don't think there was anything in it. I mean, you, whether we were all there, we all watched it. Yeah. And if you look at it statistically, Liverpool maybe would have shaded it if you just look at goal attempts. But actually the reality is both sides only had two shots on goal. Yeah. So, you know, I don't I don't think they were were if they were, if they were, I mean, I, I really don't think they were that much better than us. But no, I, no, I don't think I, they were much better. I do, I do wonder if, if a lot of, it... I mean, you know, having having watched it, sat next to Pablo, who is a cynical old git like me, although he's not actually that that old to be fair. But um, I, I wonder if our feeling about it, our emotional reaction to that game yesterday, was informed by what happened in the Caribou. So the longer it went on the longer it went on without either side scoring, the more realistic it was it was going to go to extra time, the more realistic it was going to go to penalties. And it, it suddenly became all a bit meh. And I, and I think that emotionally it was affected. I mean, you know, Pablo and I looked at each other at the final. and we just kind of had that kind of, we're not going to win this, you know. And that is totally irrational because if you look at the, you look at the match with a, with a cold eye, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be thinking that. You know, we had some good chances to win that match yesterday. But the feeling about it was very different. And I think it was affected by by what happened to us as supporters in the Caribou Cup final.
0: Yeah,
1: no, it's fair enough. I said, I don't I say I don't honestly I said I don't think there's much between it's between the sides yesterday. And as we've shown, we've played Liverpool four times this season and all four have ended in a draw in, in regulation time and two of them extra time as well. So I don't think there's been much in there said yeah yesterday. I think Aside from the start, and I think towards the end, we were almost way... I think extra time did come at a good time because Liverpool did also, I think, finish the, the end of that game, st- the stronger side as well. But in general, yeah, it was pretty even. I think it was that Liverpool didn't have any XG in, in you know, nor point, nor, nor XG no, in X, extra X, time. XG?
2: What, what, sorry, what XG What's that?
1: <laughs> I know, for those who, who are interested in XG <laughs> and expected goals, Liverpool didn't really threaten in extra time. So, yeah, it was just one of those. Um, but I yeah, think well, both sides well, ran out of gas in yeah. extra time. Yeah, I do agree. And I said, unfortunately, like Pulisic was dead on his feet for 15, 20 minutes. And then that comes, I guess, to an interesting point, Chidge. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes on, he, he gets about 15 minutes and then gets subbed for Ross Barkley. Um, obviously, Tuchel's reasoning was Ruben has a poor penalty record. And Barkley has a decent penalty record, I guess. So I get that. But I guess, Chidge, in, in a season of all seasons where Ross Barkley, you know, I guess about Ross Barkley substitution is quite a, 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 quite a funny... Well, I almost image it took sort all of end this season away, but a player who's basically not been involved at all comes on, I guess, to be a specialist penalty taker, just kind of showing the difference in situations between us and Liverpool. Really,
2: I mean, it was it was bonkers, wasn't it? Really, and I mean, I mean, to be fair to Ross, he took a it was a really good penalty, but I mean, we've all seen him miss them. You know that one he nicked off. I think. He oh, Willy against Valencia. Gen- yeah, you know. Valencia. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. I'd forgotten about that. And that that was a <laughs> that crucial was penalty. That was yeah, a crucial yeah. penalty, really. So he's not immune to it, as no player is. I kind of felt sorry for Ruben in a way, but you know, I think I think the manager would have made it clear why he did it. It was, yeah. you know, it wasn't because it's pretty shit being subbed when you've come on yeah. as a sub. Remember what he did to Hudson Odoi against Southampton. Yeah, you know yeah. that it's a very it's a very embarrassing and humiliating thing to happen. But I don't think Ruben would have taken it like that. You know, no. I was more curious. Me and Pablo were sitting there wondering if he was going to bring Kepper on in the, in the, you know, in the, you know, towards the end, just bef- you know, to the end, uh, end of extra time. But of course, he didn't, and I, I'm kind of glad he didn't. I would have, I would have been against him doing that because I, I do think it's a bit weird. I mean, you know, it worked once against Villarreal. It's hard to say that it didn't work against Liverpool and the Caribou because I mean, it went to eleven penalties, and poor old Kepper was the unfortunate one he missed. But you know, if you're if you're relying on your goalkeeper to score the winning penalty, then you've got a problem, really, haven't you? Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of glad he didn't. There's something that doesn't sit right for me about it. So you know, anyway. No, First, now obviously,
1: you know, Timo Vernon was not brought on because he felt like twitching his sort of warming up. So Tuchel didn't risk him. That's why Timo Werner didn't come on because a lot of us were crying for for Timo Werner to come on. And yeah, as for the sub thing, I had no issue with Tuchel bring Keper on in that Carabao Cup final because the stats say Keper is a statistically better penalty stopper. Than Mendy, but I think given what happened last time Tuchel tried that. In fact, that it back to Keppa did not make a single save. Oh. I think that he was probably pretty he felt pretty calm and comfortable with his decision to keep Mendy on the pitch. And look, what I will say before we go on to penalties, Mendy did save one of the first five penalties. And I think your if your keeper saves one of the first five, you're pretty happy with that. So you and you kind of take that. Uh, and it's just unfortunate to say, but we also missed one in the first five. And yeah, just on the penalties, look, as unfortunately misses it's a post. I don't think Allison got a touch in it, but I could be wrong. I think he just hit the post. Should a player, I think, as a on a penalty, you probably should hit the target. I don't want to be too critical on Dave. I've got a lot of time for him. Players miss penalties; he has missed penalties in the past. It happens. The rest of our penalties were pretty good. And then, unfortunately, Mason Mount. I think, yeah, it just it is what it is. Unfortunately, he's missed a cu- couple of pens this season, but it happens. It was quite interesting to me that he took seventh, which maybe serious to me, you know, he maybe been he'd missed in the Carabao Cup earlier in the year. I think, you know, he, I mean, he, he did have a penalty saved against Norwich when beaten beat him 7-0, he did then score the rebound, but maybe just thinking got head just all confident she wasn't quite feeling it, so maybe that was quite telling. And I'll say, poor Mason Mount. he's lost all six of his uh, finals he's played at Wembley Stadium, lost the playoff final with Derby, lost three FA Cups with us, lost the Carabao Cup and lost the Euros with England. So one day, one day, that boy will win a trophy at Wembley, we beg. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is and it's just just painful and as I said, yeah, we lost on pens, it was heartbreaking and I'll say. Chid, you mentioned earlier that you thought, that was, you know, when it went, I think you said uh, when it went, you know, you thought we were losing this when it sort of when extra time pens. The only time I ever thought we were winning that game was when Mendy saved that Mane penalty. I thought that is, this. it's written. I thought that from that moment on, it's almost written because things things actually did sort of go away. If you think about, it. we won we won the coin tosser to place in front of a Chelsea end compared to the Liverpool end of the Carabao Cup final. And you did think, you know, maybe this is it. And then obviously for the first time, you know, in that shootout, when Ziyech scored, we were ahead and we, you know, Liverpool had to score to stay in it. and then unfortunately Jota buried it. But it did, that was the only time I think I ever felt like we were going to do it when Mendy saved that Marne penalty. Because also I remember one of our mates was almost like, just gave us a little handshake before Marne was stepping up, almost say, like, say <laughs> goodbye, I'm, I'm off. And then he got saved. But I remember like the Liverpool players, I'm not sure people, but Liverpool players were almost patting Marne on the back as he was walking to take that penalty. Like they were quite confident he was going to score. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty awful penalty. And the said, he got saved. Mendy did his job, but it wasn't to be in the end. And we suffered more Wembley heartbreak. And just as a fun fact Fuel I've seen us play five finals at Wembley. And uh, yeah, we've won one, lost four. So it's not great in all those in the last five years or so. So not pretty Uh, viewing.
2: Um, I kind of of worked. I think I I worked it out last night. I'm seven, seven and five, as the Yanks would say. So I've seen us win seven finals, not always at uh, Wembley and seen us lose five. Though I've been to, been there, so uh, I'm not as much of a Jonah as I thought I was, but uh, just to kind of qualify what I was saying, I I mean, I I just kind of felt that if we were going to win it, we kind of needed to win it in in normal time. When you've watched a lot of football, chaps, you know, without sounding too pompous and patronising, you kind of just know... An extra time. As I said, I think both sides ran out of gas, to be quite honest. And they were like, oh, fuck it. We'll just play for penalties. And penalties are a bloody lottery. They are a bloody lottery. And that's what Pablo and I looked at each other and just thought, this is just bollocks, isn't it? Because it's a lottery. You know, it is. You know, it has no function of how good the performance of the team has been or anything like that. It's just what happens in that moment. I mean, I agree with you totally. I mean, having been really kind of meh at that stage, when Mendy saved that from Mane, I mean, we were just going nuts, absolutely nuts. Not quite as nuts as Thomas Tuchel, as I discovered when I when I watched it all back when I got home. He was going absolutely bananas on the touchline, but that was that was brilliant. And then you know, from that emotional high to to jotter, uh, you know, scoring. Well, actually, no, it was it was. Uh, I'm just trying to remember Simicast actually. Simicast scored the winner. Well, no, hang on. Um, it, uh, Mendy saves from uh, Marno, Ben
1: yeah, scores, VH scores, and then Jota scores with our whole then whistling, and then yeah, then Mount, Mount misses, misses. Yeah, so from Simicast that, you know, from,
2: from the save from Marnie to Mount missing, you're just like right up there to right down there. It's like horrible. I absolutely hate penalties, I really yeah, yeah. do. You know, I just can't bear it. I can't bear it. You know, and
1: we, we do talk about um, you know, it being. Final penalties being a lottery. But when, again, if I'm fact, the last three finals I've seen at Wembley have ended nil nil, and we've lost all
2: three on penalties. Mm -hmm.
1: So I'm starting to think, is it, you know, it is what it is.
2: But all this bullshit that people talk about, I mean, Tuchel nailed this in his presser on Friday and I have to agree with him, you know. Oh, it's all scientific, they say. Oh, it's all stats-based, they say. You know, it's all about practice, they say. You cannot replicate uh, taking penalties in training, psychologically or physically, to taking a penalty in front of nearly 90,000 supporters with a, with a big, massive trophy on the line when you've played 120 minutes of football and your legs are knackered. You know, it, you cannot replicate that in practice. So I'm not having it. I'm with Tuchel on that and a lot of other very considered football people. That's why I think it's a lottery.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. A lottery, but hopefully one day we'll, go, we'll start going in our, in our direction. Um, Right, we're going to move on to listener questions. We've got quite a few to get through. So, Jack, give us one first to you. We had quite a few close chances in day for a goal in the 90 minutes. What would you say was the missing element or elements? Is it just the same old story just, of... We- just stick it in the back of the net, boys.
0: <laughs> I think mean, that's it. Hit on target. I think one of the best ones I can remember was like that little pass Jorginho played to Rom and he put over the bar. I think when I saw that bat, that's a bigger chance than I thought it was live. Yeah. Uh, ones like that just hit the target that's that's what you've got to do to score goals I, I I think that's it's as simple as that to be honest
1: yeah I think there's one where Alonso in the first half is like a bit of a heavy touch it means it, you know, he doesn't actually have as much yeah. time he means he's a lot closer to Allison than he'd like and then yeah he mm. literally has a shot as I was walking up the stairs because we had a chance to ride right the start of the second half as I'm walking up the stairs I just see Alonso's shot get saved by Allison, sort of one-on-one and then obviously he hit the oh that free kick and you're thinking cool but where we start that second half but yeah and it's I feel it's pretty simple um answer it's just the attack and putting away chances because when we have failed to score in what we've lost four of our last five Wembley finals we failed to score in or something like that I think that kind of tells a story that the attack is is where it's it's starting you know that's the missing element um really next question comes in from Jessica if the players gave it all today and there are missed chances from both sides could we have done anything different or was this just one of those days also what impact can this have on our players as far as remaining EPL fixtures go so Chich first of because he said both sides did miss chances it said Liverpool in two finals have also failed to score against us with their brilliant attack but you know everyone lords um so <laughs> could we have done anything different or is it just one of those days because it, it, it does feel quite hard to analyze because obviously we did miss chances but then when the opposition missed chances as well it kind of almost and does it level out in a way? What, if was, it does make me wonder what could what more we could have done away. Because you look at, again, you know, there was no habit's fit. Werner wasn't fit. So, again, Tuchel was kind of hamstrung a bit, you know, with with what he could do. And I think, you know, we kind of get onto it. It, it is a credit to Thomas Tuchel, but this Liverpool side that, you know, the media was, is begging to do the quadruple is lauded as one of the best sides the game has ever seen, etc., for this sort of mishmash of a Chelsea squad to go up against this Liverpool side four times, not lose to them at all in regulation time, take them to penalties in in twice. Um, I feel it's, you know, it feels like Tuchel is almost doing as much as he can and getting literally rinsing every last bit out of these players. It's just not quite going our way. So is, you know, was there more that could have been done or is it just one of those days?
2: Yeah, there is more that they could have done. They could have scored. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I mean, that's the simple answer, Nick, isn't it? But um, I I have got no um I've got no issue with the with with the effort that they put in and and, and their performance as a whole but you you know I mean it's we've been saying this for the for weeks on the fan cast, is that Chelsea fans are a bit I'm trying to, trying to think of what the analogy is really like okay they're like goldfish with 5 second memories you know so every week we say oh You know, why did we play like shit? Why did we lose that game? Why didn't we win that game? Oh, yes, because we can't finish. But we've been saying it every week for like a season and a half, mate. It ain't going to change until it changes. And it won't change until we address all of the structural and systemic issues at this football club, which is not just strikers you can't find the back of the net. It's having a creative midfielder. And, uh, and and I think the I think the problems actually are, are more to do with the midfield and then then the the, the variety of players that we've got, many of whom assist system play. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a bugger's muddle, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, yeah, they could have scored, and that would have changed it all. But uh, I, I do I do feel for Tuchel because actually. You know, he didn't have any options on the bench. None of us knew this at the time. You know, we were all sitting there going, why isn't Everett's going on? Oh, he's not actually in the squad. Oh, shit. Right, okay. Why isn't Werner coming on? We didn't know that, he, that he'd, that uh, you know, uh, he had an awareness, I think they like to say, don't they? I think he's a bottler, personally, being rude, but... Uh, you know, he didn't have any other strikers to bring on. So
1: we were playing Ruben mm. Loftus-Cheek. Well, well, we were playing, sorry, Jack, yeah, briefly. We were playing right. briefly as a nine. And when we played Ruben Loftus-Cheek for 15 minutes as a nine, I was like, oh my God, Antonio Conte's dream of playing Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a striker is coming <laughs> true. He's seeing it in a Wembley Cup final. That <laughs> just kind of just sums up. I think Barkley, when he replaced him, ended up being the
0: nine. It just kind of sums up. Anyway, Jack, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to jump in and say, I saw Tuchel said about Werner saying in the warm-up, he felt something. That's what I don't get. Why is he then going out on the touchline, running about it a bit? Is it to so the fans can see, oh, Werner might be coming on and because we would have been moaning that he's not warming up and we thought he could have come on? I don't know. It's, I thought that was a bit strange. Yeah, fair well,
2: enough. I have no idea about that. But, but yeah, yeah, I said,
1: Jess, could we have done anything different? Was this one of those days? I said, obviously we could have taken our chances, we could have scored, but been saying that all season. I think, in general, given that we know that Chelsea are going to need a lot of chances to score, and we probably didn't have the volume of chances we had, is it? It probably is. I, I, maybe I'm being light on him. It is one of those days because I think, at the end of day, Tuchel is kind of getting as much out of this squad as he can. He's kind of reached the ceiling with this current squad. I think mm. it has reached its ceiling. And look, we held Liverpool to nothing. We created some chances. Like with the squad we've got it's it probably is one of those days because i said on another day if we went on pens we probably lured that as you know a brilliant tactical display etc so it's just the way it goes and the final part of our question what impact can this have on our players as far as our remaining epl fixtures go i, I mean chidge we need one point mathematically from two games should arsenal um fail to you know should arsenal beat newcastle on monday night which again is no guarantee uh spurs have just beaten burnley one nil today so you know, Spurs will will fancy their chances of of getting, you know, top four if Arsenal slip up. But in general, what what impact can this have on our players for our remaining Premier League features? Because, you know, we saw last year Chelsea sort of bounce back after that FA Cup defeat, beating Leicester for a big, you know, to, you know, take sort of charge of the top four race, if you will. But then we also saw them collapse on that final day at Aston Villa before the Champions League final. So if you, and given what this Chelsea side in the last month in Premier League, you've not known what Chelsea side you're going to get. So, what do you think, you know, what impact do you think this will have on the players? Is it going to really change much? Because as we've said, it does feel like these players have almost been checked out for a while and they did almost get up for yesterday. But will it almost be a case of just normal service resumed and probably a not great performance Thursday night against Leicester?
2: Mm. It, it, it's a real worry, Nick and Jess. It is a real worry. Um I mean, I disagree about the one point. I think we need one more win out of Leicester and Watford because I want us to finish third. I cannot in all good conscience bear the idea of either Arsenal or even worse Spurs finishing above us. And apart from the obvious bitterness and and rivalry and all of that, it actually would be very, very, very unjust. I mean, we are still some way uh, away from Liverpool and, and City in terms of, of the league and I'd be foolish to say anything else but we are miles better than Spurs and Arsenal if one of those finishes above us in the league that is just the crime of the century I think so I think we got to win one of those two matches clearly the Watford one will be easier in some respects because they've been relegated and but you never know quite quite often teams who have been relegated are relieved of all that stress and pressure and just, just you know, play their kind of natural game and they can often be a, a bit of a problem. Leicester, are, uh, uh, I think, I mean, because we do this predictions league, I can tell you now that they are one of the hardest teams to predict what on earth they're going to do. So, I mean, look, without sounding too pessimistic, neither of the games can be taken lightly. It's all about Tuchel, I think, these last two games, because this is where you earn your corn as a manager. He has got to get these. I mean, they're going to be really, really fed up. They've had a lot of setbacks this season, if you think about it. Um, And they're going to be feeling, you know, really down, I would imagine. Uh, But he's got to get them back up. He's got to get them back up. And he's got to get them back up quick because we need three points from these last two games. And and, that, and hopefully he will because as I said that's where a good manager earns his money. So I have a feeling it might be a bit, a bit, a bit. You know, I've got a feeling the Leicester game might be, be trickier than the Watford game, but I don't want to leave it to the last game. I, if I'm too cool, I'm getting into them all week yeah. and saying, "Look, you were brilliant." You know, chidge, penalties chidge, are a lottery.
1: I, just to interrupt, next question comes in from RJ. If you were too cool, what would you be saying to this all right. following BFA Cup final result? No, they're still top four to lock down. So, chidge.
2: Yeah, well, I'll if answer you, it. If, is... you want,
1: if you want to be Thomas Tuchel, you want to put on a I'd love, I'd love to be Thomas what Tuchel.
2: I'd love to be Thomas. Tuchel. What do you
1: say to these players? About, well, I don't I, know, I, set, uh, Jack can be as Floqueta or someone. Well, I, I David, captain, I, I, and me, I'm no. the rest of the team.
2: Jack can be Thomas Tuchel as well, but because uh, he might say <laughs> something different. But as I was about to say, you know, if I was Tuchel, I'd be saying, look, you know, don't you know, get your heads up. It reminds me of that brilliant uh, Mourinho moment at the Emirates when we kind of finally had to surrender the league. If you like, if you remember, and he was going around the pitch doing heads up, heads up, heads up. That's kind of what you want from Tuchel this week, just with the players, because they've got nothing to be ashamed about after yesterday. You know, losing a match on penalties is a lottery, as I've said. Uh, You know, we were playing the greatest team ever, ever seen in football, you know, who've yet to beat us this season in normal time. He needs to be saying these things. He needs to be saying, I'm really proud of the performances you put in. You were great to a man. We we need to do it again. Two more times this season. You know, you need to go out with a bang. You need to go out with your heads held up. You need to go and get us those three points, preferably against Leicester on Thursday. And he needs to get them coming out. They need to come out with a bang on Thursday. If they come out with a bang on Thursday, going, you know, like we saw against Leeds, they will destroy Leicester. I kid you not. If they come out like they did against Leeds, they will do that. And he's got to get them into that frame of mind. So that's what I would be saying. Jack, yeah, fair enough. No, yeah,
0: completely echo your... Do it, do it in a yours. German accent and then it'll be better than my answer. <laughs> no, I was just going to say the exact same thing. He just needs to... These players are going to be uh, feeling really low and he just needs to scoop them up, put his arm around them, tell them, like you said, we haven't lost to Liverpool over 90, 120 minutes this season. Just needs to pick them up and go, look, you've got two more games, get them done qualify for the Champions League, go and have your nice couple of weeks holidays and we we come back, we regroup, we go again and we try and close that gap on them because we're, we're not far off. We're just lacking a few bits and bobs, but we're not that far off. So we just need to yeah, dust ourselves down and go again.
1: Yeah. Also, given it's a few players' last games, Rudiger, Christensen, potentially quite Quetta, just say, look, you want to end on a high, you want to win your last games as Chelsea players, you want to kind of go out, in style, because I said also, I think it might not mean much to the players, but I think if Chelsea were to get two wins from our last two league games, it would just certainly lift the fan spirits going into the summer. I think it's kind of crucial you do kind of end the season quite well, and I know it's it's maybe easy to say, but I just look back at I know it's a different club, but Spurs at the end when Spurs got to that Champions League final in 2019, their league form dipped off dramatically the second half of that season and they really did limp over the lines in the top four and they lost that Champions League final. From then on, it was all downhill. They kind of reached the end of the cycle and they didn't get back. I'm not saying it'll be the same with Chelsea next year, but you're looking at it realistically as it stands. This Chelsea side, which if we go over what I said, if they've kind of reached with this current squad of players, they've reached their ceiling. You throw in losing Tony Rudiger, you throw in losing Andreas Christensen, you throw in losing Cesar Azpilicueta, you're losing some big players, potentially one of Kante or Jorginho. We don't know. You're losing players. It's crucial that there is some good feeling, confidence going into the summer. Because if Chelsea have ended the season pretty un- uninspiringly, then it's not going to, you know, be in a great mood for for what comes next. Obviously, I guess the real, there will be some excitement generated from that. But fingers crossed, both the Bowley, you know, bid uh, six or takeover becomes successful. He comes in, and we have something to look forward to—a new era, et cetera. But I think it is crucial that we do now end this season well, just have some feel-good factor going into it. Because, I'll be brutally honest, I think we can all probably say ever since. The- Club World Cup final has been pretty, you know, fairly grim, grim watching. Obviously, there was a little period at the start when, you know, Roman got sanctioned and we we progressing in cups, et cetera. There was still a bit of good feeling. But in general, it feels the last couple of months, people have just been drained and fed up and just tired. And I think it's important we now end the season in a good way. Um, Going into next. uh, Next question comes in from Shyam. Is this the most painful loss of the last three FA Cup final losses? If yes, why? Jack, is this the most painful? Because the last three... 2-1, Two one um, losing to Arsenal under Frank, but again with I guess caveat no fans, we, no one was there to witness it. It's COVID. Does lockdown football count? A huge amount um, <laughs> in general. Like I, I mean, because I view lockdown football very differently to everyone else. Uh, obviously, the final last year against Leicester, where that was that feels probably the one we should have won, given you know we were probably the clear you know favourites. And then obviously this year against Liverpool, is there one that is this the most painful one, or are there
0: maybe more painful ones, or yeah, all be um, really painful? I think. <laughs> What like we discussed already? The penalties look. You can be Lewandowski, you can be Messi, you can be Ronaldo. Everyone misses penalties. It's it's just part of the game. So yesterday, of course, it really hurt. But it's penalties. So I'd probably say, yeah, probably probably last year was more painful due, just due to the fact that we we should really be beating beating Leicester.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And also, I think given. As well, that we had a Champions League final coming up after against City, we put a lot of us probably thought the FA Cup was the realistic trophy for Chelsea to win last season. I think maybe again, but then it's different because obviously won the Champions League. So in hindsight, is that Leicester Mm -hmm. FA Cup defeat more painful? Chich, is this the most painful loss of the last three, or are they just all equally painful?
2: Any loss is painful, but um, I'm with you on that, Jack. You know, I wasn't at the last two finals, so clearly they don't count. (laughs) You know, but uh, seriously speaking.
0: Could have been 7-7. Seven,
2: seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, look, it's a tough one, actually, you know, because, I mean, personally, I think yesterday was, was the bigger loss because it's three in a row. And that's just yeah. so unbelievably frustrating and, and really annoying. And that really hurts. But I was, I was talking to Pablo about it, actually, on the, on the way back last night, you know. There was just nothing, there was nothing to be really grumpy about. Yesterday, you know, we weren't beaten by the better side. We 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 turned up. We gave it everything. It was it just seemed to be like one of those things, you know. Whereas, if I mean, the last two finals, we were robbed blind by an incompetent referee. You know, uh, the Arsenal. You know, getting uh, uh you know, Dave getting uh, going off with a with a hammy. Pulisic, Pulisic going hammy, off with a hammy. Kovacic being sent off for for tackling somebody. You know, and then last year, you know, Tuleman's hand handballing before he shoots, and then Chilwell's equaliser being rubbed off. We were robbed blind, so that really hurt. Uh, but I've got to say, if, if you if you if you force me to choose, which you kind of are, I would say I would say yesterday hurt more, not because of what happened on the pitch per se, but because what it means to have lost three in a row. And I think also the context that. I mean, last season we won the Champions League, so it kind of all, all, you know, any pain disappeared pretty quickly. I really wanted us; I loved the FA Cup, you know, and I really wanted us to win it. And I think, to be fair, I think, in spite of how screwed up this season has been by all of the incidents that really happened since uh, the end of November, I think it would have been really fitting for them and for Tuchel in particular to have picked up a trophy. You know, because I think they deserve it. It, it. You know, even if even if the results have been a bit crap in the last few months, you know what he's actually I think managed to and what he's achieved in terms of keeping the team together and battling on has been superb. And I think they deserved a trophy for their efforts this season. They really did.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, it, yeah, Shire is tough on Leicester. One last year is probably one we're favourite for. Is one we probably didn't turn up a huge amount in that game till the last fifteen minutes, but we did win the Champions League. Oh, so I'm kind of like, okay with that. Arsenal won, in, Arsenal won in 2020 hurt. Also, because I said my dream when Frank became manager was just to see him win a trophy yeah. and him winning an FA Cup would have been enough for me as a manager. Whatever happened after, winning him, winning an FA Cup would have been enough. Even though it was behind closed doors, even though it was COVID, it has a big asterisk next to it, COVID football does in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that would have, that that one probably hurt. I mean, because I said, I came out that ground yesterday and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake not again type thing I was annoyed but I quickly did get over it like I said Jack and I were. just you went back to Waterloo with mates you had went for food had drinks it was you know we're kind of okay and we're kind of doing this pod now and I don't think you know there's disappointment but I don't think it's it's her I know it's a tough one it's it's a tough one Arsenal because it was Frank maybe edges it for me but Yesterday also, because it's the second time I've been to Wembley in three months, just under three months, and I've seen us lose on penalties to Liverpool again. Maybe that tops, I don't know. It's a toss-up between Arsenal and and that one. Leicester last year is kind of erased by the fact we won the Champions League two weeks later for me. Um, Yeah, and on that, um, because we talk about, you know, people, you say this team deserves a trophy for their efforts. Obviously, the team, they have won the Super Cup at the start of the season. They have won the Club World Cup. But in terms of pain, I was kind of thinking about this. In terms of a painful season, and it, it be, this might sound crazy, I don't know, but it feels to me it's probably the most painful season since the 07 08 season for me for Chelsea. That's it. obviously for those on my 07 08, Chelsea could have done a quadruple and they ended with nothing. Yeah. This year, Chelsea have won the Club World Cup and the Super Cup. Those were two trophies we were expected to win, I would say. So maybe that kind of caveat to, and we still have, and we've lost two domestic finals. We went out in heartbreaking circumstances in a Champions League quarterfinal and okay, for Premier League. We, you know, we were in it for a little bit and we dipped out. But is this, given what's gone on as well, and then there's been off field pitch sanctions, Roman, is this been, if not the most painful, has this been one of the toughest seasons sort of following Chelsea since? Because even when we've had lesser seasons, like, you know, 15, 16, I don't think it was that painful after a while because it almost became a bit of a joke at some points. Do you know, is this this maybe the most painful, hurtful season since since the 07-08 season for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt, I think, you know, and you've got to, you've got to also factor in uh, the injuries that have screwed us up and and the amount of games we've had to play. And, I mean, Tuchel signposted this before the season started, saying this was going to be an issue, even without injuries, and, and it's been compounded by the injuries. And I think it's really interesting to compare it to the, the uh, 2007-8 um, uh, season, because, of course, we had that emotional... Uh, impact of losing Mourinho, which was just devastating at the time because you know we thought we were going to have him for like like Fergie, we thought we were going to create a dynasty with him there, and he gets dumped out after losing to that stupid Danish team that I can't even remember who, who they were now.
1: But um, a one on draw at home to Rosenborg was
2: a, thank you Rosenborgs. Yeah, no, they, there was only about seventeen thousand in the stadium that night as well. It was weird, but um, and then we had average Grant, who everybody knew was a joke. Um, and, and of course, remember we lost the League Cup final to Spurs that season. Well, yeah, that yeah. was that's one of the most painful finals experiences I have ever had because you don't want to lose to Spurs anywhere at any time, and to allow them to win a trophy was horrendous. And also, they were so up for it, their supporters, and we were not. I saw, I mean, there were fights breaking out in front of me with Chelsea fans between those who were sitting down and not getting up for it, and people who were getting up for it and standing up, it was just, it was just awful. And then, of course, we lost in, in Moscow, which I, I wasn't able to go to, but it shut down with rain. JT misses a penalty because he slips up. Drogba gets sent off for being a cock. I mean, and we, were, and we were the better side by a mile. So you could say that that's probably, in terms of emotional turmoil, one of the worst seasons we've had to endure. But I think this is up there when you think about it. All the things that have gone against us this season and then losing Roman Abramovich effectively. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? You know, because actually I think if if Ben Chilwell getting injured against Juventus was a turning point in the season in, in some respects, and I think it was certainly on the field, off the field, the Caribou Cup final was the turning point. Because if you remember, you know, Roman announced that he was going to sell the club the day before. Yeah. And then they, they played that Caribou Cup final and, and were very unlucky to lose that, as we know. And I think that was the other turning point. But it's been, it's been so tough having to endure all that. And that's what... I, I mean, I just heard, heard you, re, you know, replay my words and, it, you know, saying, oh, well, they deserve a trophy for their efforts, which sounds absolutely wank, doesn't it, when you think about it? Because nobody deserves a trophy just yeah. for turning up. And I don't really mean it like that. I kind of think that, you know, given what they've had to put up with this season... Yeah. You know, that to come away with no return would have been really... is really harsh. But you're right. We haven't come away with nothing because we won the bloody UEFA Super Cup for the second time in our history. And we've won the Club World Club Cup, which means we're the, the world champions, which is something I've wanted us to do forever. And, you know, it's not a given that we would win it because Benitez managed to cock it up That's completely true. in 2012. So we haven't come away with nothing this season. But I think... Having a domestic trophy to come away with would have been great. And, and I mean, you know, whether they deserve it or not is a moot point. But I think actually, given what's happened this season, it would have been really fitting, put it that way.
1: Yeah. And I also, think for fans as well, after he's asked you to see us have a, you know, that day out at Wembley would have been really nice as well. So, yeah, no, I get it. The said stuff. There's, there's certainly similarities to, to 07. And so I think when we look back in a few weeks, when we do our season review, we'll probably look back at this sort of season in, in sort of three sort of preps, like up till the feel-good factor from up till Chilwell's injury against Juventus, Matt Juventus game where like full, full grounds, full stadiums, et cetera, Chelsea playing brilliant football, life feeling really good, just getting, you know, normal experiences again. Then everything sort of post-Chilwell till you know the high of of winning that Club World Cup, you know, some iffy league form, but progressing in cups, winning the Club World Cup, and then basically probably everything from, you know, since that Liverpool Carabao Cup final onwards has just been really tough. And I said, yeah, it's been it's been brutal. And say a Chelsea team, but don't get me wrong, they've won two trophies this year. But when they've lost two finals as well, it it certainly hurts. It makes you think one more and obviously the amount of finals Chelsea have lost. In recent years, we could be really, you know, pushing up there with the likes of the, your, Ars- your Liverpools, your Liverpool's United's, cetera, Arsenal's with, you know, your trophies, you know, amount of trophies won. There's a lot of trophies that have gone begging. And this year, too, to lose in the manner we did does certainly hurt. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
0: huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No
1: um, purchases, by law. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next question. This is brutal, but it comes in. Are we becoming Spurs? This comes from mo And I guess this is, I guess this is very of that, but we've lost two cup finals this year. And, Jig, we lost an FA Cup final last year. And in general, Chelsea's record in domestic finals in recent years is not very good. In European finals, on the other hand, it's very good, but we are losing a lot of domestic finals. I guess, for one thing, you know, Spurs tend to lose in the semi-finals, semi-finals, so They don't actually tend to get to finals. So I don't think we may be at the Spurs stage yet. But is, it, is there a sense of almost, I don't want to say becoming Spurs, but for this Chelsea seed, because I have this conversation the other day, this Chelsea team, a lot of people call a cup team. But for this team being a cup team, they sure have also lost a lot of cup finals in recent years. So just you are just kind of thoughts on that?
2: Who wrote that in? Oh, God. Mo. Mo, go and wash <laughs> your mouth out. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. of course we're not Spurs. They don't, have to, they don't fucking make finals.
1: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. We'll, we'll leave it there. Um, next question comes in from Dean Mears. How does a goalkeeper so big cover so little of his goal? Oh, Dean. <laughs> this is referencing the penalties from Mendy, I believe. Which, again, I told about earlier. See, I know, Jack... Did go of his? I, didn't, I thought Mendy was the right of the pens. He saved Barnet's. He Maybe he got close to a couple. Maybe could he have kept them out? Ch- Chidge, I mean, we know Mendy's not great at penalties, but is it, you know... Ugh. Do you have much to say to Dean's question?
2: Well, I kind of talked about that. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what Jack says about it, actually, because I'm, I'm basically going <laughs> to refer the honourable gentleman to my answer earlier on, which is... It's such a tricky one, isn't it? Because it was such a blinding move by Tuchel against Villarreal you kind of get tempted by the idea. And I've only seen it happen once before uh, when uh, Louis Van Hels blew a red of on me. You know, he, he brought on uh, Krul, didn't he, in that uh, World Cup match, and it worked then. But, I mean, I, it, it just goes against my kind of views on football, really, which is that, you know, Mendy... I mean, look, you know, if you can't beat a keeper from 12 yards, then, you know, you need to have a look in the mirror, really, don't you? Because the odds are stacked in your favour as a striker. But some keepers are better than saving at saving penalties than others, aren't they? Like some, some players are better at taking penalties than others. But, you know, for me, Mendy's been on the pitch for, you know, 120 minutes. He's warmed up. He's used to it. You know, he's got a feel for the ball. He might have made a few cracking saves, so his confidence might be up. It just, I think psychologically it 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 doesn't make sense to me to bring somebody on who's had no feel for the ball who's not warmed up and all of that kind of thing that's that's what i would say if you want me to give a more technical answer so yeah. do you reckon jack
0: yeah I, I think it was the right decision to keep mendy on especially after like he won the africa cup of nations won that penalty shootout he then beat egypt again to qualify for the world cup so he's had, he has had success recently. But then, yeah, more going towards what Dean was saying about him not covering the goal. I have watched a lot of his penalties and I haven't really seen him make a good save from a penalty. They've just been a shit penalty, if you see what I mean. But oh, like, penalties, yes, yesterday. I mean, we were buying the goal towards the corner, so maybe I'm, I didn't have the best angle of it, but it didn't look very good. Um, so I think it's more he saved them because the, the strikers have been cocking them up, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Look, we know Mendy is not a penalty specialist, so it, it's a tough one. As you can say, there were a couple he got he got his hands to a couple of them, and he just couldn't quite keep them out. But
2: I mean, you know, like you said, like you, said, early, like you yeah. said earlier, Jack. You know, when Kepper came on the Caribou Cup final, he didn't get near to all eleven mm. of those penalties. Yeah. Van he Dike got nowhere I would have got, I would have yeah I mean I'd have done as well as him in terms of how near he got yeah. to so Dean you're talking out of your rear end mate yeah I said I, in general like
1: saying I said if it, it's, the game's going to penalties then it's just a lottery and he said you you expect players to score from for 12 yards really so yeah it is what it is uh, next question Daniel where was the game lost to you today? I feel like we've done that probably the attack fence score chances and clearly he says clearly our attack is not good enough at the highest level of the game in addition to some players well below stand. Who would be part of a summer clear out for you? Gus said, I can't believe we're actually here for a third time. I feel like I answered a similar question last week, but Chidge, if I get the Chelsea squad up for you now, on the, I'll get the Chelsea squad out on the website and I will just simply do a keep, sell or loan because obviously there might be some players who maybe someone like Camus or you want to you, you loan next year. I don't know. So if I give you just a list of players, of players you would happily keep at the club and sell, just a quick keep and sell, and I'd give the same for that for you, Jet. So,
2: uh,
1: gents... Uh Edward Mendy, I presume we're keeping.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean you're you're doing it for me. I did this the other week on the podcast. Somebody put a brilliant tweet out. I think it was Daniel Childs, actually. And uh I, I kind of responded to that. And uh I might just see if I can get get what I said on, on, on Twitter actually, because uh that uh because I can't remember what I said basically. But uh I think what is alarming, just as a general thing when I try and find the bloody tweet, is it's actually frightening how many how many uh players you know you'd be quite keen to see the back of actually and i i because I, you just normally wouldn't you know you just normally wouldn't even consider you know scrapping half the team if you had a, had a brain because it, of course it's so it's so disruptive um but uh I think that's the reality. So, yeah, okay. You know, Mendy, I mean, if you just go through the team from yeah, back okay. to front, so if- Mendy, obviously, Keppa, I think, will go, has to go in a sense, because uh, for his own yeah. career's sake, really, bless yeah.
1: him. Uh, okay. Uh, Betanelli will keep homegrown player. That's fine. Yeah. Rudy really goes off. Um, yeah. Alonso? Uh,
2: I think if we want to progress, it's probably time for him to go.
0: Jack? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably yeah. agree. But if he was happy to be. Uh, spartial like player, then I wouldn't be against keeping him. Fair enough. Like we said, he's, yeah. he turns up. So,
2: what about yeah. Perisic? Haven't we just signed him or something? Well,
1: there's some rumours. not. Yeah, yeah
2: we'll yeah. see. If um, we sign him, then Alonso's gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Christensen's yeah. off. Silva, I presume, you want to stay. Yeah, if we uh, Trevor, I presume, you want to stay. Yeah. Chilwell, obviously, we presume, he'll want to stay. Reese James, presume, you yeah. yeah. want to stay. Asplakweda is off potentially. Barcelona. There's talk he's agreed
2: terms with Barcelona, so we'll say he's I'm off. I'm presuming he's off, off and I, yeah. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. I think. I think. You know, like you said recently, his performances have dropped recently, and I wonder if his legs are beginning to go. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying it's almost Ivanovic 1516 yeah. type thing for yeah. him
1: at the end. Um,
2: Malangsa, <laughs> I'll drive him wherever he wants to go. Fair enough. Uh Jorginho. Well, again, I think if you want to progress, you would say we need to look at this, like I was saying earlier, you need to look at this midfield perhaps in a different way. I'm 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 umming and erring about it though, because I think that in the if you've got the right system for Jorginho and the right players around him, I think he's the best in the world at what he does. Yeah. So I think it boils down to what Tuchel, how Tuchel wants Chelsea to play, how I want Chelsea to play. So it's a real toughy, Jorginho. But, yeah. you know, he's getting old. We'll get good money for him. Maybe yeah. it's the right time to make that decision. Yeah, obviously him and Kante's contract's up next summer. So it's a question, obviously
1: we failed to cash in on, on Rudiger and Christensen, losing them free. We don't want to repeat the same mistake there. But again, if you can convince Jorginho to stay, I'm honestly not against it. Because again, as you said, you're almost like watching us in some games recent weeks, we've been crying out for Jorginho. And we know he's not He's not necessarily the answer to everything, and the Messiah to everything. But I do think he would be a good player still to have around if you know if we could avoid losing him for free, if he was to maybe sign a one, two year deal, I wouldn't be against him sitting around because I
2: also think he does have a lot to offer in the Champions League for us as well. I mean, put it put it around another way, Jake. Sorry, Nick. If if you have if you have if an offer comes in for both Kante and Jorginho this summer, entertain that is, is decent money, I think you you say, yeah, all yeah. right. So and Kante, yeah. are we saying good offer comes in? Yeah. Yep. But if okay. a good offer doesn't
1: come in, you keep them. Fair enough, Kovacic. I think we're all saying keep definitely. Ruben lost his cheek. Jury's out for me. Fair enough, Jack.
0: Oh yeah, keep as a squad I player. Yeah, can keep as a squad player, but versatile. If he wants, if he wants yeah. to progress his career, then he should be he should be going. Sal, who was more <laughs> who who kept us entertained with his coaching from the sidelines yesterday. Another another taxi from. Uh, Gidge. Gidge. Okay. I, don't think
2: he, I, don't, I don't think Saul has been as bad as he was when he, you know, yeah, first kind of few months, but no, he's going back. Yeah, I think yeah, he's, yeah. It's def- he's definitely going back anyway. I think that's yeah. already been sorted. It, it's just been an odd signing, hasn't it? Barkley, goodbye. Oh, bye-bye. See ya. Uh, Mount, keep. Build oh, the team yeah. around him. Romelu Lukaku. Jury's out again for me. I mean, if you'd have asked me three weeks ago, I'd have said I'll drive him anywhere he wants to go. But... <laughs> Who knows? I mean, again, he's a systems player, really. And I think that's been the problem within this year. You know, we don't play a system that gets the best out of him and we don't have the players around him to get the best out of him. And we know that in Tuchel's system at the moment, he wants strikers who are going to, like City and Liverpool, press, 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 press. press, And he will not do that. And even if he does try, he doesn't do it effectively because he's like an oil tanker trying to turn around. So a, a lot depends on what Tuchel wants to do. And I mean, again, I'm tempted to say if you've got somebody better coming in or somebody more suitable coming in and you get a really good offer for him that mitigates the huge loss you're going to make on him then maybe you take it. Also I guess with Bowley, he doesn't have to worry about a loss because he did not sanction that transfer so it's totally right. nothing to lose there. And yes, also, also Nick it, Nick it, you know we're not lose if we sold him for 50 million we're not losing 47 million because that 97 million is amortized across the length yeah, of his yeah. contract so it's already down to about 70. Yeah, fair enough, Jack Lukaku. Jury I'd out. keep like, him to be honest. Keep, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Pulisic. It's <laughs> mm. a good question. I, 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 you know, look, I like Pulisic. I think, I mean, look, if if you can, if we can get that Pulisic back before <laughs> he was injured in the in the cup final against yeah. Arsenal, he was clearly heads above anybody. He was the best yeah. player of the club at, in that period under Frank. What, I mean that that performance against Liverpool. I mean, for God's sake, I mean, he he was brilliant. Get that player back. I'd keep him all day long, but I need to see that player again, and we haven't since since that match. That's we've been saying
0: we've been saying exactly that's what I was going to say. We've been saying that exact thing for two years on this podcast. So yeah, for me, he's got to go. He has moments. He
1: has moments like Leeds yeah. brilliant goal. You know. He, he was, was
2: great yesterday, I thought, apart from guess what? Being able to put the ball in the back of the net. And holding on to it, a couple, again, holding on to it too
1: long yeah, as well. But a couple of moments enough. he didn't play players through. But in general, I didn't have too much. It, it's, yeah, look at look, talk briefly on performance yesterday. It was one of those, I didn't think he was like amazing. I didn't think he was awful. And again, it's quite hard to assess our attackers because like there were good moments, but it didn't really lead to much if you get where I'm coming from. So it's quite a weird one. Timo Werner.
2: Less less of a jury out on poor old Timo than uh, than than Pulisic. Again, he's a systems player. He's a he's a counter attacking forward, but he's also a counter attacking forward. He spends most of his time off, offside, and he more often than not looks like a terrier trying to play with a, a with a with a balloon. So, you know, again, if you can get. This is the problem that we have. As I said a minute ago, you work out how many players you want out. It's a ridiculously Absolutely. high amount. And that is yeah. really worrying because you've got to get people coming in. Yeah. Cheers. You know? Yeah, I will kind of get on to it because I don't think the amount of names we're going to
1: say we're happy to go, I don't think he's realistic. But just for the sake of Dan's question, we'll just, you know, keep it. I don't think he's good enough,
2: it. mate. Yeah. No, no,
1: I'm not saying the team. I'm yeah. saying in general because I think people can yeah, yeah, say but... a lot of the players. Uh,
2: Kalamad Snodoy, loan? Well, no, you see, Callum, I, I I differ with a lot of people on this because I, I, I think, number one, he's still very young. Number two, he's still coming back from a serious injury. And, of course, he's had a horrible season this season because he's been injured again, and it's, in the, it's an Achilles issue. So it's related, I would imagine, to the original injury. I still think that there's something psychologically going on with that injury, and I still think that there's something going on between him and Tuchel, and I'm not quite sure what it is. But I believe we haven't seen enough yet, and he's young enough to come through with good management. So I would rather keep him here if he's going to get enough game time so that we can actually decide once and for all, is he good enough for Chelsea or not? So I would be on the side of keeping him under, that, uh, under those parameters.
0: Fair enough, Jack. Keep loan self. Uh, I wouldn't be against loaning him, to be honest, if he's going to get a sustained amount of minutes for, a, for, for another team but yeah i can see where chirch is coming from for example like you look at foden at city all those players that are kind of his age were going out on loan to other teams but they just gradually brought him into the team and, and he's the best young english player that we've got so you could maybe take an approach similar to that
2: fair enough what you what you don't want uh, nick is is for him to become another another ruben loftus cheat. yeah yeah which is why I am maybe suggesting if he, even if it's just a season
1: somewhere, just playing regular football where he's guaranteed because at Chelsea, like he, he's exactly. had runs in the side, but then he's also had periods out the side. Which is why I'm thinking just for him, maybe alone. Fair enough, I'm going loan. Hakim
0: Ziyech. I feel he's kind of it's the same again. If you get a decent offer and take it. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, again, alarmingly, it's much the same as Pulisic. Although I think Pulisic has done more to indicate. He can be a player that you can put a lot of faith in, in his ability. But, you know, Ziyech is on his day, a great player. He's just so mercurial, isn't he? And we we need, if you're going to, I mean, I think a lot of people have been saying this recently, and I think they make a valid point. They're saying, you know, the reason we don't win the league is because we're not consistent enough. The reason we're not consistent enough is because the players that we have are not consistent enough. Yeah. And you put Ziyech in that category on his day. He's fantastic. But the, how many days do you get when he's like that? Same yeah, with yeah. Pulisic. Same with Hudson-Odoi. Same with Loftus-Cheek. And on and on and on you can go. Yeah. That, uh, again, again, it's interesting because if you'd said this maybe
1: around February time, I'd have been saying keep Ziyech, definitely, because that's yeah. when he was showing he was good. But then the last few months, he's kind of not played a huge amount. Yeah. Yesterday he came on, I didn't think he offered much yeah. when he came on. I mean, fair play, he t- stuck away his penalty, but yeah. Not against it. I don't think we really have a player like him in the team. But then again, also think if we stick with a three of the back, I don't think he suits it. So it's a tough one. Uh, I think this one isn't so tough. Kennedy, <laughs> self. Oh. Uh, finally, Kai Havertz. I think we're all keeping because uh, we know how much of a talent he is.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: So, definitely. Dan, that's an answer to your question. Um, so, yeah, as you can tell, there's quite a lot of players who would be part of a summer clear out who, or not a part who would be, Who wouldn't, we wouldn't mind letting go. But the reality is we've let go of a lot of players there. And we're not going to do, we're not going to go QPR and just get sign a whole bunch of, of oh. randoms and hope it works. So, and it's not feasible. So I think a lot of those players who we'd be happy to go, will still be here
2: um, next season. It's just not going to happen. Nick, yeah. that's the reality. Yeah. But I, I think it's kind of what I was saying. It's startling. Yeah. If you at it Very objectively you think, Christ, you could get rid of all of that lot because are they really good enough for Chelsea to win the league? Possibly not. But I think, again, a lot of it, I mean, it's really the interesting point that you made there about the likes of Pulisic and Ziyech and hudson Doy. And I said this at the beginning of the season. We've got all these wingers and we don't play with wingers. Yeah. So if you change the system, right, then maybe they are different players. It's, you know, it's a toughie. A lot will depend on, I think, what, Tuchel wants to do with this this squad, how he wants them to play, what systems he wants them to play, you know. And if they start playing in positions which actually they were bought for originally, then maybe that'll work. But if we don't want to do that, if he doesn't want to do that, then you've got a question: why they're here?
1: Yeah. What I also will say is maybe slightly startling to people: we won the Champions League less than a year ago, and we're quite happy to now let a lot of these players go. And I know obviously you can't just cling on to, to past glories, and we have clearly seen the deficiencies in these players and the winning back Champions League probably did cover up quite a few of those deficiencies. But even then, a lot of those players who, you know, whatever happens, they'll leave the club, bear a Champions League winner, but there's still quite a lot of them. We're still very happy, you know, to let go, which again, I think is quite telling in itself. Um, and the final question we got comes in from Barry. What does Timo have to do to get a game? Well, OK, kind of answered earlier, he was injured, so he couldn't actually get a game yesterday. Uh, so that's fine. Why was RLC on and off in the blink of an eye? Um, well, Again, Tuchel cool, said tactical. Uh, Chidge, again, was not a fan of it. I wasn't, you know, necessarily a fan of it. But again, I will say Ruben Lottachie didn't offer really anything on the pitch. He was on 15 minutes, albeit we were asking him to play a role. He wasn't sped it. And he goes, will we be back? Gents, will we be
2: back? I think we will. Chidge. What do you mean to your show or to uh, as, as a club that wins <laughs> trophies? No, I mean. Well, I hope you'll be back on the show next season, of course. But um, but uh, yeah. Well I, well, I mean, do you know what? Actually, I, I, my gut reaction, of course, immediately. Of course, we will. But you know, the reality is, we're about to undertake uh, the biggest change that we've seen in this club, uh, certainly since Roman Abramovich turned up in two thousand and three. And whereas in two thousand and three. We were a club that, guess what, was getting to cup finals, winning them occasionally, uh, but never getting close enough, really, to winning the league to a team that we thought would win the league. I mean, I, when, when, uh, when he appointed Mourinho in 2004, I thought we're going to win the league this season. And also a team that could compete uh, in the Champions League and, and eventually go on and win it, which is what we did. You see, what are we going to do now? Now we need to kind of maintain that. But there are no guarantees at all. So we're about to enter a very uncertain time. And one of the reasons why, you know, I was so keen to go to the final yesterday uh, and obviously to see us bloody win it, which we didn't. But, you know, the back of my mind was that feeling that, you know, it might be a while before we come back here. We just don't know. And remember, I grew up at a time when we didn't get into a cup final for 24 years. So maybe I'm haunted by that. But there are no certainties in football. And we're about to go into a very uncertain time.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It will be an interesting time said, Unfortunately, the Roman era is dragging Sunny from a men's perspective to almost a bit of a, a damn squib conclusion, which is a bit of a shame for it to end the way it has. But look, I think we'll
0: be back. Jack, will we be back? Yeah, we'll always be back, mate. Lovely stuff. 100%. Lovely stuff.
2: <laughs> but that wraps it up. We're a big hey, enough mate, club. Before... We're
0: self-sustaining now. We will be. We will be back. Don't worry about that.
2: Nick, before, whoops, before you before you wrap up, I've just dug up the, the side that, that that played in the Champions League final against City last season, right? Yeah. I'm going to read it out to you. Mendy, Rudiger, really Jorginho, Silva, Christensen obviously came on as a sub. Kante, Werner, Pulisic came on as a sub for him. Mount, uh, Kovacic came on for Mount. Uh, ben Chilwell, Rhys James, Cesar, Aspilicueta, Kai Havertz. Now, out of that team... We're losing Rudiger, not of our own choice. We're losing Christensen, not of our own choice. Uh, And we're losing Aspilicueta, quite possibly not of our own choice. So that's three. Jorginho and Kante are now a lot older and very possibly might go. Werner, we think, might not be good enough. Same with uh, Pulisic. Uh, So actually, out of that side, definite stayers are Mendy, Silver. Mount, Kovacic, Chilwell, James and Havertz. That's seven, okay, out of the 11, 12, 13, 14 players that played in that. So that's half the team. And one, two, three of them are going of their own volition and two of them are older. So maybe we're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater after all. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll
1: see. It's certainly an interesting time. Look, got faith that Todd Bailey will do a good job I've got to think, you know, hopefully it said, if we give Tuchel what he wants, I believe that man can can do good well, things with his club. He clearly so. hasn't got everything he needs. No, not yet. He, to Thomas Tuchel, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's going to wrap it up for this week of that Chelsea pod. Unfortunately, we can talk about winning an FA Cup. We could talk about bidding Leeds, which was nice, but, you know, losing an FA Cup final is... A painful one. Before we go, I want to thank Chidge for coming on, not just today, but for his previous experiences this season. We've loved chatting with you, Chidge, this mm. season, all things Chelsea. Before you go, why don't you tell people where they can follow you on Twitter and find the brilliant Chelsea Fancast?
2: Well, uh, I'm on Twitter at Stanford Chidge. uh the Chelsea Fancast, obviously, ChelseaFancast.com. It's on all of the usual uh, podcast platforms. Um, and we're on all the socials at uh, Chelsea Fancast. And the other thing is, the other thing I do, which you might want to check out, is I'm I'm kind of a columnist for Football.London London uh, with people like the lovely Adam Newson and Daniel Child. So I I try and do one a week. Uh, annoyingly, my schedule sometimes prevents that, but uh, I it kind of it allows me because they for some reason they let me write a little bit you know longer pieces than a lot of the other people there. So it allows me to go into depth. About a lot of issues that I'm, I'm I've got a cob on about usually. So uh, do check that out if you can.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Make sure you check Chidge and all those works. Those links will be in the description below. And I said, Chester Fancast, a top fancast. And yeah, as I said, we thank Chidge again for all his appearances. This oh, is a pleasure, boys. Chatting with him. As for us, we're on Twitter, about at Pod, on Instagram, about Chester Pod, on all your usual podcast platform providers. You can leave us a rating on Apple, Spotify etc it goes a long way whenever I tweet it put out like retweet goes a long way puts us onto other people's timelines because at the end of the day we are just Chelsea fans talking with fellow Chelsea fans about the one club that we love and bad Chelsea and they said unfortunately we have to talk about some disappointing moments but we've also had plenty of good moments to talk about while doing this podcast and so yeah just basically play us to anyone with a functioning pair of ears please and this is just one final reminder that you can get 20% off Manscaped and free shipping with a promo code that Chelsea pod at manscaped.com so if you're feeling if you want to look after your men screaming, you, you could below the waist screaming, then go there and sort yourself out some good products from Manscaped. But yeah, disappointing way to end the season well, not end the season, but to lose a cup final. But uh until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network.